there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, skate on the bounce and puck. Below the goal line is Tarasenko. They walk it to Perron. Now boots Nevitz from the dock. Tarasenko's in Kepper. They score! Robert Thomas in the final minute. And he's tied again. Not there, just ahead of Byron. Tyler Bozak in the skates of Letty. Here's Bozak. Lines and shoots. He scores! Tyler Bozak in overtime has forced game six in the series. As the Blues get this in, watch the... All right, welcome to Vegas Hockey Hotline from the Brian Blessing Studio. I'm Dana Lane. That's Steve Karp, Chris Johnson. Doing a great job with the highlights, buddy. Thank you. Yep. This Appreciate is, it. You are... You're becoming a well-oiled. He's one with the board. He is one with the one board. One with the board. <laughs> I was going to say something. Maybe today's not the day. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> so let's get into the conference semifinals. And Man. you said, Steve, you're you're excited about tonight. I mean, it was hard to be excited the other night because of what was going well, on. But but tonight, but, yeah. I mean, we're we're right back into it. And, of course, uh, you have uh, the Edmonton Oilers have the ability to finish off Calgary and this Ranger Carolina series that's tied up at two. I mean, is tonight the night that the Rangers go into Raleigh and get a W? And, and you and I both I, agree I, that I we think it, it is. I believe it will be. And I just like the way the Rangers are playing. I like the way they responded being down 0-2. And I just think Carolina... As good as they are, they are good. Let's let's not kid ourselves, okay? But their flaws are showing. There's cracks in the armor. The Rangers are taking advantage of it. And I just think momentum, which is really important, the Rangers, to me, have gained control. Now, can they maintain it and take a win home tonight in Raleigh and take it back to the Garden with a chance to close it out? You know they're going for it, and there's no reason to think, you know, it's kind of like what John Cooper was saying. Hey, why not walk through that door and try and keep winning? So I think it's the same mentality, and I also think Edmonton feels the same exact way. They feel like they have control of this series. The Flames still have not figured out how to slow Connor McDavid down, and unlike the Avalanche last, I mean, unlike the Blues last night who didn't seem to care that, Nathan McKinnon ran roughshod over them. They found a way to stay in it and eventually force overtime. And then Bozak, of course, wins it in OT. But every team is different. Their makeup is different. I like what the Oilers are doing. I don't like what the Flames are not doing. Does that make sense? We talk so much about Daryl Sutter and... And, and whether it's on this station or it's, you know, an NHL network, I've heard it on ESPN. Uh, by the way, speaking of ESPN, uh, I have thoughts on Leah Hextall, Emily Kaplan. You don't like either of them, do you? Hold on. It's not that simple. Okay. It's not that simple. But I will say this, as far as Calgary and, and, and Sutter is concerned. 
they have played. I mean, we've said it a hundred times on this show how difficult it is to play 200-foot hockey against them. They make you beat them in all three zones. And in a neutral zone, their ability to clog up the neutral zone, their sticks are always in passing lanes. But Edmonton is moving so quickly and so precisely that does not allow. Calgary is reacting. They're not playing their game. They're reacting to Edmonton's game. Yeah. That's, They're chasing. Yeah. And then when you add on the fact that you're losing the power play battle, the special teams battle, yeah, that's why you're down 3-1. to one. Absolutely. And the thing about it yeah. is, when from a, from a wagering standpoint, here we are again tonight, and I swear to goodness, I, I, I thought I saw $1.70 at some point today. I went upstairs while I was working and – Came back down and got coffee and it was dollar fifty, but even at a dollar fifty four, which is a consensus number, it's about a dollar fifty five at STN. Mm-hmm. That's been bet up from minus a dollar forty. Every single game has given Calgary, and they were a dollar seventy in game one. Yeah, every I game. I cannot believe the respect that they've received. Every single, I talked to uh, Chuck Esposito over at uh, Station Casinos yesterday, or at Red Rock. I said, Chuck, how, how am I? I don't know. Listen, we know the process. Odds, make, odds makers send they the number out. They generate action on the other two-way action. Right. They send it, we the, get it. They send a number out. The books adjust based upon their yeah. clientele, or and then, of course, versus their betting pattern. I said, how in the world... Are odds makers watching this series and giving me plus 210 on a puck line with the Oilers? You want to give me plus $1.70, $1.80? I get it. Giving me two bones with Edmonton, who is clearly better. I have I have noticed this, and I have given a lot of credit to the people that set numbers. A lot of credit. But they are way better, in my opinion, at setting point spreads than they are money lines. That makes sense. Because I can't tell you, following this sport, how many times, and just to give you a barometer, and if you agree with me, $1.30 is what a home team in the NHL would get. The equivalent of three, three and a half points you know, for a home team in the NFL. Football. Two and a half, three, three, three yeah, and a half. I mean, whatever you're, you you're in the ballpark. I'm not right around there. That's that's what Brian would uh, always yeah. say. Right. I always thought it was a, about dollar twenty, dollar twenty five, but he always said thirty, and I always go with I, Brian. I could understand that, sure. But regardless, a dollar fifty is telling me <laughs> this is again them saying they think Calgary is the definitive favorite in this game tonight. And betting patterns, sixty five percent is on the the money. Is on Calgary. Sixty mm-hmm. percent of the tickets on Calgary. Seventy-six percent is on Calgary minus one and a half. Wow! I mean, even what? on the puck line, huh? I, I just so they're looking and that's at the money. And sixty-two percent of the okay. spread tickets are on Calgary. I, I think Mike Smith, the the one bad goalie let in aside, is playing better with each game, don't you? Oh yeah. Oh, so for sure. So if but, but but do I feel but the goalies you, matter 
when you're betting, you know, just like pitchers do in baseball, though maybe not as much anymore with the way baseball is, yeah. is played. But, I mean... See, I think Markstrom could be... Do you not think that Shesterkin is the better goalie in the Ranger Carolina series? No Doesn't doubt about it. Doesn't it count? He has. Shouldn't it factor into the betting line? Of course it should. And it, it probably does. Well, okay. Vasilevsky was obviously, clearly, head and shoulders above Bobrovsky. I mean, it's not even close. So, here with Calgary and Edmonton, you can make your case for Markstrom as he's struggled at times. Yes, that's right, right. But he has not played horribly, okay, nor is Mike Smith. Mike Smith, to me, is playing better with each I game. I think Mike Smith I'm has not played. sure that Markstrom is playing better with each game. I think those are both accurate, uh, accurate statements. As far as Mike Smith is concerned, he's playing way better than I think people gave him credit for. We talked about how I think sometimes when you run through the Coyotes – and and whatever happens with that organization, whatever effect it has on your numbers statistically, mm-hmm. I think we put too much on that. Because Mike Smith has played better. If you go to his hockey reference page, he's played better with better teams. I mean, obviously you can say that for a lot of people. Right. But the way we talk about Mike Smith, I don't think always is fair to Mike Smith. And Mike agree. Smith only has to be the same way that Robin Leonard – only had to be above average by a little because of the teams that they're on and their ability uh, or the perceived ability in the Golden Knights case Mm -hmm. to put the puck in the net. All you have to do, if your goal's against, you give me 2.75, I I don't care if you're even touching almost three, we're still going to win on most nights. You You gave me a save percentage of 91, maybe even, you know, Mm-hmm. 90.9, we're going to win because of our ability to score. Now, that's not the case. Like, I don't think Mike Smith would have success on the Rangers. You think he'd have success on the Rangers, a team that relies on their goaltender every night? In fact, from a, from a Rangers standpoint, Shesterkin is, what, 6-0 and when he faces 30 shots or more? That's a guy that needs work. And the more work he has, the better he becomes. Yeah. And we're talking, you know, when you talk about the Rangers Carolina tonight, this is a team that was, what, three minutes away, under three minutes from beating game one. Carolina in Raleigh? In game one, yes. So there's and no. And they did not play that badly in game two, by the way. No. No. So th- that confidence, yeah. it isn't like the Boston series. Don't mistake the two series. They're very different teams. Because Boston had zero success against Carolina during the regular season. Well, minimal <laughs> success. So for Boston to take that to seven, it's almost like a little bit of a, hey, good job, guys, yeah. because there was no way what you did during the regular season would reflect the seven-game series. But from the Rangers' standpoint, they've got to have a lot of confidence going in, and now you're going to give, again, from a wagering standpoint, plus $1.30 at the STN app, Dollar thirty to me, I mean that is really difficult. When I'm getting the better goaltender, I'm getting mm-hmm. getting a team that is confident. Now, confidence doesn't mean it's guaranteed. They could put forty five shots on tonight, and Ranta can stand on his head, and they Carolina wins three to one, and everybody else is right. But as you go into it, mm-hmm. and psychology to me is a huge component of wagering. 
my first question is what team do I think is in a better state of mind right now? Because it's a very important aspect of wagering. Okay. And I think the Rangers are in a better state of mind. Okay. So that's my starting point. So let me ask you this, then. Based on what you saw last night in Denver, which team is in a better state of mind going into game six tomorrow night in St. Louis? The Avalanche, you know that their best player can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Or the Blues, who showed some pluck, down 3 nothing, found a way to battle back, force overtime, and then win it after being outshot 6-1 to one in the OT. Who's in the better frame of mind? I think Colorado still is. And why? Because they feel like they're the better of the two teams. They felt like that game four was obviously within their grasp. I still think, I mean, St. Louis can't be in a better frame of mind in Colorado. I mean, do you disagree on that? Uh, I think the Blues are going home thinking they can win the series. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, so they you were think- left for dead in the first period. Okay, so you feel as if that the... I think if I'm in the room with St. Louis this morning, okay, those guys are saying, hey, we can hang, we can win this game, we just got to win one game. That's all they look at. All they looked at last night was saying, let's win one game. Okay, when they were down 3 nothing, I'm sure Baruby said, let's try to win one period. Let's try to win the second period, which they kind of did. Third period, same message in the room before they left for the ice. Let's try to win the period. Let's see if we get this to overtime and maybe even win it in regulation. They damn near did, by the way. Okay? So, I think St. Louis is probably in a better frame of mind right now. You can shake your head all you want. I, I'm not shaking my head. I'm shaking my head about something else. Oh, Sorry. okay. I thought you... <laughs> No, because you you think Colorado's still in a better frame of mind. Okay, so then you think Calgary isn't a... No, I didn't say. I said Edmonton, and I agree with you on the Rangers. I think Edmonton is in a far superior mental state, if you will, than the Flames. They know they can win this series. They they know they can win a game up I just don't feel like one game puts... Defines you? One way I don't think one yeah. game puts you in a better frame of mind against a team that You're still is alive. absolutely You're dumb. still breathing. Well, I, I, I mean, okay. For, they they could have ended the series last night. They should have ended the they series. They should have ended the series That's last night. That's where I'm coming from. I don't know if we're looking at Philadelphia-Boston of, of yesteryear uh, again in I'm this. Just, I, I well, don't know if it's going to be a total collapse. I know the like, Bruins are your, your point of reference for everything, but believe me when I tell you this. That team has still got a lot of guys who won the Cup in 19, okay, in that St. Louis room. They understand things. They handle pressure well. If you notice, there was no nonsense with Cadre last night for the most part. They just played hockey, and now they're, you know, they're back in the series. Yeah, let's welcome in our guest, um, NHL rules analyst for ESPN, Dave Jackson, former referee, of course, friend of the show. And uh, Dave, I, I apologize. We 
got talking and we just went on. But I appreciate you coming on and you're always fantastic. And I have to ask you about Nazem Kadri and, and that situation. I mean, when you're on the ice or if you had something that you knew that there was a guy on the ice that was a, a, had a bullseye on his back, I mean, would you pay closer attention to that? Would you try to defuse that situation? Because it looked like that got out of hand and everybody knew it was coming. Yeah. Well, first off, thanks for having me, sure. guys. It's always always a pleasure. Um, yeah, I mean, referees are aware of that. They're told not to follow the media. I mean, you don't want to follow the media. You don't want to be on social media. You don't want to have preconceived notions of what's going on. But it would be pretty tough not to know what was going on in that whole situation. Right. And there's a supervisor in every series who's got his, you know, finger on the pulse of what's going on. He makes the officials officials aware. And yeah, I think you wanna you're always your antenna's always up, whether it's a Nazim Kadri situation or, you know, Tom Wilson, Ryan Reeves, are they gonna fight? You've always got your antenna up and you wanna make sure you don't miss something, but you certainly don't want to overcall something and prejudge something. You don't want to look for penalties. You just want to be as fully focused as you can and let them come to you. Yeah, interesting. You were bringing up Ryan Reeves. So, uh, Gerard Gallant, you know, clearly said in his presser, hey, we got the guy that could take care of basically everybody on Carolina, uh, which I think we all believe here. Is there anything said, or do you do you separate yourself completely as a former referee? Is there anything said to any of the coaches or the players to try to – intervene to make sure that you know we do not have a slugfest to begin a game that possibly at the management level you know maybe hockey ops would say something like that as officials no you you stay neutral mm-hmm. you you just you, you go in there and what you do is you diffuse as this as the situation's happening you know on a whistle you serve some pushing and shoving you have options you got tools you can put guys in the box or you can verbally just tell guys you know you say to the player, hey, not now. It's not a good time right now. You don't want to cost your team a, uh, a power play oh, right now. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You would say that to you know? a player. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, you know, you want to do whatever you can to make your own job easier, right? So yep. if you're in a scrum and you're seeing two guys going at it, you come right in. You, you, you're the voice of reason. You're the guy that's supposed to bring all the heat down. And so you can say to Revo, you go, listen, man, not now. Bad time. <laughs> it's a bad time right now. I'm going to take one guy, and it's going to be you. And he's, a, you know. He's a really bright guy. He understands mm-hmm. that. Oh, yeah. And he doesn't want to put his team in jeopardy. So I think any player, when you talk to them and you call them by name, you sort of, you know, you get their attention. And they, they realize that you're making good sense. And a lot of times it works. Mm-hmm. Dave, you know, we, we watch Wes McCauley work. He's very popular with fans, with the media, because he's got an outgoing personality. Of course, I remember his dad working uh, the league. Our... The NHL officials, supervisors, discouraging refs from having personality on the ice. They want them to be more robotic. I don't know if that's the right word. I saw it in the NBA when Daryl Garrison took over as their supervisor of officials, and it became very robotic. Uh, the Mendy Rudolphs and, and Joe Gashus and the guys like that who people, players, fans, media uh identify with do does hockey need more west mccauley's or is there i don't know a fine line that maybe he gets to cross and the other guys don't <laughs> that's that, that's a great question and i think it's a two-part question i know steve walkham 
really wants the guys to have personalities. Mm -hmm. He's the director of officiating. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, he made a point, I was told, at training camp the last two years, he wants guys to be better on the microphone. In the past, when that microphone came in, we didn't like it. We were never used to talking to the public on the ice. We'd just give our signals. A public address announcer would make the announcement. And we were forced to start using these mics and start communicating with the fans. And a lot of guys didn't like it. Not because they thought anything wrong with it. They 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 weren't outgoing personalities. They didn't really want to do that. And it showed. Some guys were very reticent. Some guys were very, you know, kind of shy on the mic. Mm-hmm. And Stephen said, listen. And he showed video of the NFL, and he showed the referees making their calls, explaining their calls on the field. And he said, guys, you've got to work on this. You gotta, you've got to be outgoing, and you've got to make these calls. You've got to let the fans know what's going on. That'll only help our own cause. And then you get a guy like Wes. Like you said, he's a very outgoing guy on the ice. Mm-hmm. I think they're fine with what he does. Like Wes is entertaining. Yes. Um, I I know they don't want any official to be bigger than the game. Of course not. So if it were to become the point where he's the focus, I'm sure he'd be talked to. But what he does is fine. I don't think they have any problem with it. But they don't want guys trying to be Wes McCauley. They want guys to be themselves. That makes and sense. If that means you're out, outgoing. Then they're they're on board with it. So if it happens, they want it to happen mm-hmm. because that's you, and it's happened organically. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you about uh, the other day. Uh, of course, just going back to the cadre thing, because there was a lot of things that happened there that I just really questioned. You know, David Perron, who, you know, we, we know we've had him here in town and, you know, love him or hate him. A lot of people like him. I don't know if that is a universal thought with him. But when you take, and again, you cannot take a, a person's history and say, well, because of that, this is okay. When you take a, a your stick to one's neck, it, it, after he just got crushed from behind from Bucznevich, I mean, we what kind of precedent are we setting when you're finding a guy when it amounts to twenty dollars for you and I, five thousand bucks? You're really sending a message to the rest of the league that hey, it, it's on, and you're going to get a slap on the wrist. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's. I don't think what he did on the ice rose to the level of a five-minute major in a game misconduct. Um, it was we talked just talked about organic. I mean, it, it wasn't a premeditated thing. He didn't go out there in that shift to get him. There was a collision that happened. Tempers flared. He knocked him down. There was no injury. That's up to the Department of Player Safety, which is way above my pay grade. Uh, they find him. What people don't understand is they say throw it a suspension, but. A one-game suspension in a seven-game series. I agree. Is almost like a ten, is almost like a ten-game suspension in That's the regular big. season. Sure. But what if that cross-check caused Cadre three games? I mean, was it well, because think, it yeah. didn't? Was that the difference? I think they take that into account when they're looking at suspensions and fines. I mean, it's a very, as much as you don't want to say it, it's a very result-driven sport, and. You sometimes you can't you can't help but look at the result, and the result was Jadri was no worse for the wear. They got five on three. They buried a goal. They won the game. Um, find the player and move on. And I mean, it's not just the final slap on the wrist that goes on his record. So if he were to do the exact same thing tomorrow night, he has repeat offender status, right, Dave? He has repeat right. offender status, yeah. and then repeat offender status, right? Yeah. So that doesn't go away. So if he makes the same cross-check tomorrow night, which only gets a minor penalty in the ice, 
he might find himself mm-hmm. suspended because that's the second time he's done it. Yeah. And it adds up. It's like a three-strike thing. There you go. Dave, I've noticed this the last couple of years, regular season playoffs. The players are encouraged to keep that puck moving along the wall when we see these scrums in the corners, behind the net, along the side. I get why the league wants to keep the action moving. In your day, though, you would blow it down more often than not. Is this a good thing? Because sometimes we're seeing uh, confrontation come out of these scrums. You know, a guy will just come in and he'll just lay his body into the the scrum that's already there. And to me, it can be a little bit disconcerting from having played myself and having even refed myself you know, at a much lower level than you, obviously. But as you watch games and you see what I'm talking about, what concerns you? Or, or is it, did they have it the right way? And, and making sure that the refs are telling the guys, keep it moving, boys. Yeah. Well, you met, you referenced John McCauley earlier, Wes's dad. Yes. John McCauley hired me back in the mid-'80s. Oh, that's cool. And wow. um, he had a line that always, he always said, a moving puck is the referee's best friend. There you go. And and by that he meant when you get a scrum, the guy's fighting for the puck and they're battling, as long as you keep that play moving, 99 times out of 100, they're going to eventually get the puck moving and move out. If you kill the play, yeah. that's when a guy shoves a guy in the chest and punches him back, and now you got a scrum or maybe you got multiple fights. So I think not blowing the whistle and keeping guys yelling at them with your voice, move the puck, move the puck, move the puck is great. But I see what yeah. you're saying. I think the referees do have an obligation to recognize when that puck is not going to move yeah. and mm-hmm. you're getting a third and a fourth and a fifth guy come in. You need to kill the play there for player safety. That's what I, I mean. There's, the, a... there's stalemates that happen in hockey. They just do. <laughs> right. And that's when the referee needs to blow the whistle. And I think They've done a pretty good job of that. Uh, you know, it'll happen once every two games. You'll see a whistle behind the boards or in the corner, and that was the right thing to do was to kill the play. But in most cases, you want to get that puck yeah. moving. Even if it takes five, six seconds, you move right. over, you might cross the ice, you get as close as you can to it, and you're just barking at them. Move the puck, guys. I'm not going to whistle. There's not going to be a whistle here. Move the puck. And yeah. usually it gets going. Do, do referees, and they're human like the players, do they find themselves – like watching in amazement what a McDavid, what a McKinnon, what a Shesterkin does, you know, they obviously will never admit to it. But, like, if you watch <laughs> yeah. McKinnon... Do you ever Stur- say wow on the ice? Well, that's, I wow. guess, where I'm coming <laughs> from. Like, it's when you were watching, because- uh, like, Gretzky or, or some of the great players when you officiated, did you kind of catch yourself saying, oh, my God, how the hell did he do that? <laughs> Well, it's funny you say that. I was at the game last night in Denver when McKinnon went 200 feet and buried that puck. And I, tur- I turned, I was with Brad Watson, who's also a retired referee right. who now supervises the league. Sure. We looked at each other, we just shook our heads and said, wow. Like, you know, mm-hmm. that was amazing. But on, on the ice, you're so concerned about doing your job and not missing something mm-hmm. that a lot of times you don't really appreciate how talented some of these guys are. But I will say... There were times in my career, especially early on, when I was on the ice with Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and like a Yager or a Kovalev, right. and they would make, they would just turn a guy inside out, put him in a you know, spin cycle, and you yes. shake your head inside, going, "Oh my God, how did he do that?" Yeah. What about the when you guys get back to the room after after a period, 
And does the conversation ever come up like, Jesus, how the hell did he do that? Do you think, you know, the guys Steve in the room landed on Jesus and hell on the same question. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, all the time. That pretty much makes up the 15 minutes of conversation we have in the room. We just yeah. we just go over the, the period, whether it was a missed call, whether it was a good call that, we, that we're not sure about. Like, what do you guys think of that call? Yeah. Or, hey, how about that play? How amazing was that play? And you'd watch, you know, you'd have to replays on in the dressing room watching it over and over it's just yeah that's pretty much the focus of your combo when, when they go to you when ESPN goes to you and says you know we're going to Dave Jackson now to get his analysis of what just happened was there has there ever been a time where you you just thought to yourself I have no idea guys or do you just need <laughs> you gotta say something I realize but in the back of your head you're like I, I don't know here well I asked a pilot buddy of mine once I go, what, what's it like, you know, flying these massive jetliners, you know, across the ocean? How, how cool is that? And he goes, it's hours of boredom punctuated by minutes of adrenaline and panic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know that my pilots are panicking. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of the same thing. You're watching the hockey game and you just, you're, sort of a, you're just sort of a viewer. And you could go periods without being called on and you're just enjoying the hockey game. And all of a sudden something happens. Boom. And you're. They're, they're coming to you and they're saying, what do you think? And I tell you, sometimes it's just full-on panic mode. You, you haven't seen enough replays and you're just hoping that you see another replay and it, it really is a lot clearer. So there's times, you know, there's times, most of the times I've been pretty decisive. There's other times I'm just really not sure. And that's frustrating for me and that's no one's yeah. fault. It's just, it just goes to show how tough it is for these guys on the ice. I mean, they don't get the benefit of replays in a lot of, a lot of cases, yeah. and they're making those calls in real time. It just shows how good they are. Yeah, we're talking to Dave Jackson, NHL rules analyst for ESPN, and of course, former referee. And uh, last question for me, Dave: Was there ever a guy that came into the league as a as a youngster, and boy, you you pinpointed right away that he was going to be special, and then ended up being special? Uh, maybe was there a guy? I mean, we always know the top guys in the league, but was there a player that you pegged as somebody that you thought was going to be special that ended up being that way? Well, I know everybody's going to sort of shake their heads and go, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. But uh, I remember Connor McDavid's first year. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the Connor McDavid of today. Right. He wasn't. And I just remember being on the ice with him and the speed with which he skated. And I was telling my buddies, I go, you've got Gretzky and Lemire. McDavid's going to be in that conversation within a couple of years. I guarantee you. And there's going to be a debate years mm -hmm. from now as to, you know, who is the best because he is, he is, uh, it's, there's times, especially in regular season games, where it's, it looks like a man playing with boys. So you could, you could feel it because I know guys that, you know, people that have been right up against the glasses, you know, fans that are watching that would tell me I could feel the speed of, of a player. So obviously on the ice, I mean, if you're pointing him out, I mean, he creates his own space with his speed, and there's not a lot of players that I can say have have that kind of ability. But being on the ice with him, you could literally feel that and just go back and say, yeah. "Wow, this guy's going to be amazing." You talk about defensemen who panic when McDavid gets the puck in full motion because they know they're going to they're going to get beat. And as a referee, we had the we had the luxury of having an even bigger gap. We didn't have to close the gap the way defensemen have to. Mm -hmm. We would have that gap. A guy would pick up the puck, and we're skating backwards. And I, I was a pretty good backwards skater. I never had an issue 
keeping that the gap consistent so that you know the guy wasn't skating into me, except with McDavid. I realized early mm. on that when he picks up that puck, I better get on my horse, or if not, I'm going to get in his way, or I'm going to miss the play because he's going to blow by me. <laughs> and that's the only player in my entire career I think I've ever really had that kind of panic mode where, oh, no, I'm flat-footed and I'm, I'm done. I'm out of position. Well, Dave, you always have been great with your time, and we do appreciate yes. it. We enjoy your analysis uh, on the games and uh, look forward to speaking with you as probably get into the Stanley Cup final. Right on, guys. Anytime. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate right. it. There he goes, Dave, Dave Jackson, former NHL referee. NHL rules analyst for ESPN and friend of the show, always courteous and always great with his time. So we appreciate hockey it. with hockey people, oh, like that. and he's it's so great. There's also a, there's him. a lot of hockey people, but then there's people that are just and especially this is why I love hockey so much. It's just mm-hmm. you ask guys to be on and they have no problem coming on. I mean, this is a guy that could say, yeah, I, oh, I work for ESPN. I, I don't know who you are. Yeah, no, no anyway. he's great and. Uh, you know, he was talking about McDavid skating. I'm thinking oh, about. I, I, you, know what, you know what it got me thinking about? Lake Tahoe. Oh, right, right. On the, right, right. Petrangelo, Petrangelo saying, oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, let's and take, here goes uh, McKinnon. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish our discussion about yeah. the NHL playoffs. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sportsbooks. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Dakota. Experience the thrill of the grill. John Smith Subs is home of the famous Steak Bomb and other premium deli subs with grilled-to-order marinated sirloin steak, grilled chicken, farm-fresh veggies, and delicious bread baked daily. Our subs are making a name for themselves with quality and flavor. Add an order of piping hot french fries and you have a meal you can't get anyplace else. Experience the thrill of the grill at John Smith Subs. Visit johnsmithsubs.com to find a location near you. Hey, Golden Knights fans, I'm attorney Adam Kuttner. I'm proud to be an official partner of the Vegas Golden Knights. We're giving you the chance to play at home along with the Golden Knights to win home game tickets through our power play giveaway. Each time the Golden Knights are on a power play, we'll pick one of my Twitter followers who tags me on Twitter with the hashtag Adam Kuttner power play. And when the Golden Knights score, that lucky fan wins tickets to the Fortress. So make sure to follow me on Twitter. Go Knights, go! Calling all Vegas Golden Knights super fans for the Terribles game day giveaway. During all of Vegas Golden Knights home games, visit any participating Terribles location, make a qualifying purchase, get a scratch card, enter on the Terribles app, and you could win a $1,000 Golden Knights shopping spree. Best yet, one lucky customer will win this prize every day the Vegas Golden Knights have a home game. Terribles game day giveaway. It's only 
at Terribles. Visit Terribles.com for more details. Oasis Bar and Grill at 4955 South Decatur near the corner of Trop has been totally renovated. It features incredible food with a kitchen that's open 24-7. Gaming promotions every month. There are cashback drawings for loyal players. The banquet room is spacious and a great venue for any type of function. Sports fans won't miss any of the action with HDTVs throughout the property. Oasis is a great place to meet and make new friends. The staff is fun and engaging. Get in on the fun with great food, great drink, and gaming promotions at Oasis Bar and Grill, 4955 South Decatur. STN Sports is the only sports betting app you need this season. STN Sports has it all. In-play betting, mobile parlay cards, the Play Plus card to fund and withdraw from anywhere in Nevada, and up to a $100 new sign-up bonus. STN Sports even lets you earn rewards for every bet. Safe and easy betting from your phone or tablet. Go to stationcasinosports.com or sign up at any station casino or wildfire. Complete details available at all sports books. All right, welcome back to Vegas Hockey Hotline. Last segment. From the Brian Blessing Studio, brought to you by Station Casinos and the STN app. Steve Carp to my right, Chris Johnson in front of me. This is the segment where you put music up that I have zero. Idea I love about. doing this to yeah, you. I know. Every, and I get texts about it best. too. I get texts like, you, you don't know who that is, do you? No. I said, no. Don't so, notice I am not involved in this. Yeah. This was a music thing. I'm immune from it because there was, I'm so old. There was a point. <laughs> well, Steve, I don't think you're that further away from me. Uh, there was a point where I just wanted to fuse some music into the show. Yeah. Like, not just the music, but also music talk as well. Maybe. Because I think I think some of those things, you know, makes the show more relatable. And, and we all have different musical tastes, which Absolutely. is interesting. Yeah. And so, but tomorrow... Tomorrow, Def Leppard. Def, Def Leppard the whole way. I got okay. you. I, I mean, know. It is I know. I know the album. rules. I know the rules. I'll go on the brand new album. Tell me your favorite songs. It's gonna come out at nine p.m. tonight. Just nine p.m. That's coming right. Out, it's, it's coming out nine p.m. tonight. That, that's so Eastern, huh? get yes. you get get whatever songs you want. Send them to me, and I'll put them on tomorrow. Right. Well, I will. What's good about this? Now, there's two versions of this, and. What are, you, what are you doing, Steve? What I'm you asking, doing? I'm asking Chris, what was this? He just oh, yeah, you oh, my bad. My bad, my bad, my bad, my bad. Okay, look, this is Lofty's Comet. This is the band name, is Lofty's Comet. Oh and it's named Shower Thoughts. Okay. Shower Thoughts. Shower Thoughts. It doesn't but sound it's, that bad. It doesn't sound bad. It's, it's saxophone. Bad. I'm a saxophone guy. This song came on randomly on my Spotify the other day, and I was like, oh my God, this is a perfect song for this. For this show, and I started listening to more of their stuff. They're really good. I mm. like Lofty's Comet. I'm going to start playing more of their this stuff. Is this is exactly. When there's shot, when there's thoughts in the shower, and this if is, I put it to music, it's the music. It's <laughs> pure exactly saxophone. It, it's amazing. They make some of the saxophone sound like drums. It's great. It is good. I, I and to your credit too. I mean, you listen to a lot of stuff that yeah. I listen to. The, the first day you walked in here, you started t- talking about Dio. Yeah, which was yeah. I mean, you were immediately immediately hired at that point. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I saw the right on the wall. I was like, I know I've I have. But then ever gonna... since then, he's like, yeah, no more of that. I got I got, I got shower thoughts. <laughs> I got shower thoughts with Lucky's comment. <laughs> so anyway, talking about um, some of the things that I wanted to bring up, and we only got a couple minutes, but eight minutes. Okay. Talking about Leah Hextall and Emily Kaplan. Now, Emily Kaplan's name 
came up here recently because of um, her. Um, was it Mark Stone that she came up with? She was the first one to report about. It was Leonard. Robin Leonard. Thank Leonard you so much. I, I knew that was wrong. Right. Okay, so and she was the first one, and 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 of course that ended up being absolutely true. She was. She and Frank Cervelli both had Leonard going on the knife under the knife mm-hmm. and shutting it down. Yes. So I give her a lot of credit, and I critique people based upon how well I think, how good I think they are at their job. And, and nothing more, nothing less. And Which leads me to say, I think Emily Kaplan is terrific in what she does. I think she's absolutely terrific. I'll and pass I pass that on to her next time I talk to her. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell her I said hi. Okay. So anyway, um, I'm just kidding. Come on, guys. Oh. So now Leah, Leah Hextall, on to her. Okay. Now we all can agree that she is probably not her favorite play-by-play announcer. I, I know what you're going to say. What, what am I going to say? Go ahead. I, it's can comma. Because she's in a different role now. I just thought she was miscast as a play-by-play person. Yes, of course. That's all. No, I, I agree I'm with not that. saying with some work she couldn't be good at it. Some people don't like her voice. Some people don't like her I delivery. Think it's just a, it's just a matter of Some people think that. her knowledge is lacking. I, I disagree with the lot. The knowledge thing. I don't worry about she the knows, knowledge. She knows the game. I don't worry about she that. She grew at all. up around it. She knows. It. She knows the game. Played, I think. I, I don't know yeah. if anybody question. I mean, but I yeah, never she, saw that. But well, it was. She's taken a ton of heat. Yes. From her very very brief play by play. Yes. Time in the booth. But I will say this now. She is absolutely between her. And Emily Kaplan, fantastic in her role. And the reason why they're both very good in their role Mm -hmm. is because, to me at least, when I'm watching as a viewer, I'm one viewer, she's very likable. You are, once you can see her and don't have to hear, you know, on a consistent basis, she's very, very good. And, And ask... Not the standard question. Like, she'll ask it in a, a different way. And I like the way she asks her questions. They're well thought out. They're yeah. not the standard questions. She does think about it. You could tell she puts her work into it. And I think where she is right now, she is excellent. She can get Daryl Sutter to laugh and smile. She's yes. doing her job. Yes. And, the minute, and, and she was so good and needed to be commended for the way she handled that. Oh, yeah. When she and, and if you don't know, they they go in what after, after the first period or something they they can go on the bench right. and, and talk to the coaches. And the first thing that she said to Daryl Sutter was, "I know you don't like these, you know. I just that had was, to ask. You know what that was? That was from the Doris book playbook. With who is Popovich. also fantastic. Yeah, no, she's she's excellent. But Doris, when she was doing the coach interviews with. You know, especially with Popovich. Yes. With San Antonio when they were winning. And Pop just <laughs> despises. Yes. He he doesn't like reporters to begin with, much less having people ask him questions during a game. Right. All right. It's bad enough that he has to deal with it after the game. But Doris learned to make it humorous, and he would 
just give his like three word answers and she would smile and he would smile. It's like they had this little symbiotic thing going. Yep. I think that's what Leah is trying to do with Daryl. Um, I think she could be more herself with other coaches uh, and stuff. Now, Mo- I'm not Molly. I was thinking Molly Walker, the post who covers the Rangers. Emily is a reporter. Mm-hmm. I mean, her job at ESPN her main job is to ferret out information and write about it and, and even do in-depth stuff. So if Emily is doing TV, you know, and she's got, you know, Gallant or somebody else, you know, she asks from a more traditional media perspective because that's what she knows, okay? And that works as well because she, too, does her homework. She is prepared. She knows the league. She knows the players and coaches. To me, that's a really important part of when you're covering a sport, you better know the people you're dealing with. That's what made Pete Vesey so great in his many, many years covering the NBA. He knew the league inside out from the commissioner all the way down to the trainers. He knew exactly what to ask and, and who to ask of about things. Emily is very good at that. She is well prepared. And all that said, though, I got to be honest with you, Dana. TNT's coverage to me has been far superior. From the play-by-play work of Kenny Albert and Brendan uh, Burke to the color guys, whether it's Keith Jones and Enzo uh, with Kenny or Shane Knighty and um, Darren Pang with Brendan. And, and of course, the studio with Tockett and... um, Anson Carter and Lee McHugh is a very good traffic cop in that studio. No, it, he does a really He's very good, good. He's not my he's favorite. He's got to deal with Biznet. He's got to deal with Gretzky. He's got to deal with Tockett. Very, there's very diverse personalities. And when mm-hmm. you're trying to keep that thing moving and get a flow going, it's not an easy job. But I think I think Liam does a pretty good job of it. Yeah, I am a big fan of, of Kevin Weeks. I think Kevin. I'm, a, you know, we've been watching. They should him use him more. I think he's 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 like their insider. They don't even use him as such. I, I he think, breaks a lot of stuff. I think he's fantastic. I mean, yeah. hey, listen. Um, back in the day, mm-hmm. and, and we've said this before on the show, when before Vegas w- was officially announced, yeah, Kevin Weeks was one of the first people to say it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of a random text that I got from a friend of mine who writes in Vancouver. Okay. You know, but Kevin Weeks was the first guy with a blue check mark to say this is happening. Mm-hmm. I really like Kevin Weeks. No, he he gets good information and you know, much like, you know, Elliot Freeman and and uh Darren Drager and and Chris Johnson and you know, Pierre LeBron, the people up in Canada who do a phenomenal job yeah. of covering this league. I mean, Kevin is plugged in and he he breaks a lot of news. And uh, ESPN should use him more and in a better position. Yeah, there are some guys I don't like as much. Anyway, let's get out of here. Uh, we want to thank Dave Jackson, Peter Vesey, and Steve B- uh, Berman for coming on today. Thank you to Steve Carp. Thank you to Chris Johnson. I'm Dana Lane. And, of course, we always want to thank our friends at Station Casinos. Download that STN app from the Brian Blessing Studio. We'll see you tomorrow and enjoy the games tonight. And the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game.
game. Second period. Where players dance with skates of flash, the home team trails behind. But they grab the puck and go bursting up and they're down across the line. They storm the crease like bumblebees. They travel like a burning flame. We see them slide the puck inside. It's a 1-1 hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Take me where hockey players face off down the rink. And the Stanley Cup is all filled up for the champs who win the drink. Now the final flick of the hockey stick and the one gigantic scream. The buck is in, the Canadians win the good old hockey game. Oh, hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. And the best game you can name is the good old hockey game. The best game you can name, and the best game you can name is the good.